Ladies and gentlemen, there is one thing I hate in life, and that is wasted time. And I've done that to myself today. I I must have prick written on my forehead, I swear, because it's just, I don't know why I did this to myself. In the words of Public Enemy's Chuck D, bring the news. From the Fifth Element Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So, what do I mean by wasted time? I'll tell you what I, I'll tell you what I did. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did for you. Um, so, so I had so I had a free, I had a free house today, not for, not for long, about three hours. Uh, you know, just uh, you know, mum was at work, sister was out, so you know, I just thought. Ah, this perfect time. Let's record the show, you know, in, the, in that in those in those few hours, right? You know, just just so I have no, uh, you know, I I just like I prefer recording in an empty in an empty in an empty house. I I, I just prefer it, you know. So if I if I feel like shouting, which you know I probably wouldn't have, considering my voice is still on the mend, as you could probably hear, you know, I, I just I just prefer it. I prefer the I prefer the 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 knowing that nobody's here. I don't know why. I just prefer it. And I wasted all that time. How did I waste all that time, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you what I did. So my laptop, I had it on. You know, it was about it was about what was it? Two p.m., three p.m., something like that. And turned it on. You know, with plans to record this episode of What's Good. And the, it came up on the corner on the corner screen. Urgent uh, Windows 10 update needed. Restart now, restart later. Alright. So like an idiot, I said, restart now. Yeah, I got time. I got time. I'm chilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be quick. Done in a, done in a, you know, 20 minutes. <clears throat> you know, like, like some of the updates are not even that long. You know, sometimes it's just like 20 minutes. This was one of the long ones, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of those beefy ones where you just, I'm, so basically I wasted all my free, all that free time and then my mum came back home and yeah, so that's just how it goes. But we are here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are here recording, well I am here recording and you are the here listening and I thank you for that regardless of, of how stupid I make, I, I, I <laughs> of how how hard I make I make my life my, to myself sometimes. I don't know why I did it. I just should have pressed restart later. Record the episode, edit it. Seriously, it was updated. It updated in in a three hours. It took three hours, right? I walked the dog, and it was finally done by then. So it was just I don't know why I did this to myself. Ladies and gentlemen, life lesson: just don't do it. Just don't restart now. It, do your things. Do whatever you whatever you planned. Whatever you did, uh, whatever you wanted to do, in terms of turning on your laptop, do them first. Just do it first. Don't 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 restart now. Just do it. For, do your work first, then restart the laptop. All right. Just just do that because you never know. It may be one of them long ones, and I shafted myself. So with my anger at myself over, we move on to the show. We have a good show. Well. Have a good show today. Uh, good topics, you know, some fun, some moderately serious, you know, as, as, as you know, I like to do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a very nicely balanced show. So we have uh, two film and TV segments, no music, uh, one sport, and one life. Uh, but yeah, that's um, other than that, yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much it's pretty much good over here for me. You know, I've actually been quite in a quite a decent mood the past week, so I'm happy about that, and I feel blessed to blessed to feel like that. So. And I hope you guys have had a good week as well, you know, just to, just to say. So, let's get on with the show. For Mansi, before we begin, we have the email, we have the Twitter, we have the Facebook. We have an IG coming soon, ladies and gentlemen. I can finally say that. I have an IG coming real, real soon. So, just be on the lookout for those. And I'll most likely announce it on here as well, so you don't miss out on the follow. 
but yes, uh, finally a fifth element IG page coming through soon. So we we, we shall look for we are looking forward to that. And yeah, with other than that, uh, podcast number three on the way still. Just uh, just want to keep you abreast on that. And yeah, drop the beat. Let's get on with the show. In a week where Charles Leclerc gets his maiden F1 win in Spa Francorchamps, a day after his friend and F2 driver Antoine Hubert succumbed to a fatal crash mid-race, uh, school begins for another year. For <laughs> see, this is um, this is kind of a weird one for me because this is the first time in uh, well, not in my life. Obviously, I didn't go to school as a you, uh, you know, when I was like one year old. But still, just logically thinking, this is the first time. I haven't been to school. I haven't gone to school. I have no school. I have no education to go to. It's really weird. It's a really weird feeling. You know, my friends, a couple of my friends are going back to uni. Uh, everyone's kids going back to school. You know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a couple of Belfast kids walk past now. It's really weird. It's a really weird feeling for me. I don't know why. Well, I know why because <laughs> it's the first time I'm not. It's just really creepy. I don't. It's, uh, I don't know how to feel about it, it's really weird, but anyway, life goes on. Uh, officers at Gatwick called in after the airport found 25 bags of powder turned out to be for a vegan bakery, so <laughs> imagine that, you just you just suspect that 25 bags of cocaine or whatever you think it is, it's just like, it comes through an airport and you call the police in, and it's actually just flour for a vegan bakery. What, what kind of... At least, I don't know, do that test that they do in the films. Like, you know, put your thing, dab your finger in it, rub on your teeth right quick, you know. You know if it's coke or not, innit? Like, I, I assume, because I've never done it, so. <laughs> I can't really tell you of how coke tastes. But, uh, isn't that the thing? Isn't that the thing? You usually just put it in your mouth, like, you know? Like, uh, yeah. it's cocaine, yes. I don't know. But, peak for the officers of Gatwick. Um, continuing on, Tory MP Philip Lee defects to the Lib Dems, removing Boris Johnson's working majority. Now, uh, just a heads up: the life topic is going to be um, politics. So you know, just that's just that's just a little that's just a taste of what's gone on in the past week. Uh, Chief Executive of Hong Kong Carrie Lam finally withdraws the extradition bill. So if you remember a few episodes, well, a lot of episodes ago, I was talking about Hong Kong. And the protests there, they still have been, they've been going on ever since. Uh, they've been going on all these months, and uh, the reason why was because of this extradition bill. Uh, if you want to go back to the previous, uh, to the Oscar episode when I talked about that, I forget which one it is, but you'll, you shall fi- you'll, you'll find it. Uh, it's pretty easy. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know if they're going to still be protesting, uh, the people of Hong Kong, but um, the reason, the main reason for it has finally been withdrawn so we, we we shall see how that how that continues <clears throat> and uh, lastly after Romelu Lukaku witnesses Italian racism and calls it out Inter fans claim making monkey noises isn't racist now do you remember that conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about being not racist mm, yeah okay just yeah just just a shout I'll tell you if Romelu is gonna be doing this he's gonna be doing it on a weekly basis because Italy, mm, they've had some. They're, they're they're not very kind to. They're not very kind to black people. Let's be real, uh, especially football. I mean, I think we talked to last last year about Moise Keane, who uh, is now at Everton, but he was recently he was at Juventus last year, and he was getting battered like racial abuse, and you know, that's not even and that's and that's on pitch. That's the people they can see. Just think about the shit they get on social media. I mean, I couldn't imagine that. Couldn't imagine that level of abuse. So it's a stupid. So, yeah, Inter fans being being just mad problematic. Just saying <coughs> it's not racist. What? It, uh, I don't know. Anyway, so let's get into let's get into life. First topic of the day, and so. I'm just going to freeball this, ladies and gentlemen, simply because there is too much. There, There is too much politics going around. Way too much. So, 
<clears throat> let's start with let's start with last week because last week obviously uh, in a week where I gave you the information that uh, that Boris has pro prorogued the, uh, the the parliament, which basically which basically means and just just to say, all the information I'm getting I'm going to give here majority of it is going to be via simple politics so if you haven't if you don't follow simple politics uh, they're on instagram twitter and facebook right and they are a great follow if you really want to just understand politics on the base level they explain stuff really simply like it's like their name simple politics and it's very unbiased it's it's a great source and it's only held by like two people so you know it's, it's a very grassroots organization right there so Shout out to them, and just to, just to say, if I'm explaining anything or, or it feels like I'm or it sounds like I'm reading something, is most like it's going to be from Simple Politics. So just a heads up there. So <clears throat> you may have, you may remember last week where I talked where I mentioned quickly that uh, Boris Johnson is basically shitting on democracy, and by that I meant that he prorogues Parliament. So proroguing basically means uh, shutting down parliament by bringing to an end to the current parliamentary session all legislation that was in draft form known as bills will will not become law including the bill to ratify validate the eu withdrawal agreement so basically it just shuts everything down shuts everything down doesn't it stops progress basically um so, so that's just that's just where we were at last week and that was last week that was a few days ago right now I mean, I mentioned obviously uh, Philip Lee joining Lib Dems. Now Boris doesn't have a working majority, which is crazy. <laughs> and obviously now there is talks about uh, an uh, an election. Possibly uh, there was a there was a um, there was a rec- uh, obviously Boris came out a few days a couple of days ago, and people were thinking that he was going to call a snap election, uh, so we can shut this shit down. Hopefully. Uh, fingers crossed that actually happens, but he just went, basically went out there to waste people's time and just to say what we've re- what we already know and say nothing basically. So um, it looked like he was going to call it, but then he didn't. So um, then we call the parliament was started again yesterday and basically it's gone on since then. So the first pin to drop was Philip Dr. Philip Lee going to the Lib Dems. Uh, so the government lost its majority, and this is also by simple politics. What does that mean? So it means that the government was teetering on a majority of one before today and this afternoon, creating a scene. The Commons ex-Conservative MP Dr. Philip Lee crossed the floor and sat with his new party, the Lib Dems. In practical terms, it means very little. No election will be triggered because of this. It just means that the Conservatives are going to find it even harder to get any legislation through the House or receive support for crucial votes. It shouldn't matter that much, though, if we have. Uh, sorry, it shouldn't matter that much, though, if we have a general election, as Parliament won't be sitting and the Conservative rebels will be kicked out of the party. So, talking about kicked out of the party, <laughs> there were actually twenty-one MPs <clears throat> uh, kicked out of the Conservative party now. So, I, I, I don't know what that does for numbers, but clearly that's not the best thing. There's actually been a letter. Uh, or a statement given by the One Nation Conservative Group, which is basically more, well, not left-leaning conservatives, but um, compassionate conservatives, socially liberal conservatives, moderate conservatives, so middle ground conservatives kind of thing. Not the, not your Boris Johnsons, not your Reese Moggs, basically. You know, just, just, just moderate conservatives, basically. Um, so yeah, they, uh, they basically, twenty-one of them were booted out. Uh, of the of the party last night and uh well was it last night yeah it was last night as of this recording and um they have now sent they have now sent a letter to the pm to say that you need to obviously switch this up you need to kick it out there was also a spending review <clears throat> given by uh, Sajid Javid uh saying that uh, these are these are just key points again by simple politics shout out to them uh Increasing NHS spending for the next year by 6.2 billion. Invest more money into training for nurses and doctors. An extra 210 million for frontline staff, such as doctors, nurses, and contact with patients. 2.2 billion extra on defence for 2020, uh, maintaining the NATO target apparently. 200 million for buses. 2 billion extra for the delivery of the exit. 
spending, excuse the plane again, spending for schools will increase by £7.4 billion over the next three years, increase per pupil funding in both primary and secondary schools, teachers starting salaries to increase to £30,000 by 2022-23, £432 extra for the Department for Environment to combat climate change. Is that a piss take? And it actually says, uh, funny enough, the first comment by civil politics is, yes, that's right, folks, £432. I mean, we, you can laugh at that. And I did briefly just laugh at that because that is just an actually a slap in the face. Um, so for all this, all this environment stuff that's obviously been going on and, has, you know, it's been going on for decades, let's be real. Um, to give four, to promise four hundred and thirty-two pounds, what kind of shit is that? It'd be even, it'd be, it'd be, it would be more. The pill would be easier to swallow if he said nothing was given. You know, it'd be even better. Four hundred and thirty-two pounds. Are you joking me? What kind of? I swear that's a troll job. That's short. That is a troll job. That is an absolute troll job. 80 million more for the CPS Crown Prosecution Service, 1.5 billion boost for social care and local, for local councils, 54 million for homelessness, and 13.8 billion increase in overall day-to-day spending. <clears throat> so, this is it's, it just says it all, right? So think about this, right? So for all the talk about environment, for all the talk about homelessness, which has been on steroids since the Conservatives came nearly well how long has it been now has it been 10 years they've been in power it's about 10 nearly 10 years now surely so well most of most of this decade anyway so for most of this time all of this time the the Conservatives have been in leadership here in the UK homelessness has risen exponentially and they're donate and they're donating they're giving 54 million for homelessness, to, to combat homelessness, right? Mix that up with the, excuse me, with the 2.2 extra billion pounds for defence spending. Defence of what? This is a legit question, I have to ask this. What is the, what are we, what is the defence, f- no, I don't want to say what the defence is for, because uh, it's defence, but 2.2 billion is it really that necessary? Who's attacking us? What defense? What 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 high? Do we what do we need high, more defense spending for? Let's be real. Let's answer this. You know, it's just. It, it, I'm not. Be, I'm not. I'm not trying to be naive here. But am I being naive? Am I being naive to uh, to ask that? Ask why two point two billion is needed for defense, but yet. 54 for homelessness. It's another... It's, it's again... We're, we're looking outside too much... And not enough inside. This... The whole... I've said this before... And I'll say it again. This is the whole problem... With this EU crap. With this leaving... With all this. This is the problem. We're looking... We claim to be looking inside, right? And asking these questions of ourselves. Like, why are we... St- why are we messing with the EU? Why are... Why is us... You know, a G7 country doing this and, you know, do, and doing that. Look, tr- claiming to look inside. But clearly, in my mind, we're doing more looking out. And that is the problem. We claim to look inside, but we're really looking out. We're looking out to the EU and saying, bun you lot. We're looking, <laughs> we're not looking inside to stuff like child poverty, to stuff like the NHS, to stuff like homelessness. That's looking inside for me. That's what I'm talking about. If I'm, if you want me to be specific, that's the kind of looking in I'm thinking about S- stuff that only matters to us, to the UK people. I, I don't. Do you read? I don't want to. And it's been three years of this shit now. You know. Do you care about the EU? Nobody cares about this EU crap anymore. Let's be real. But it's still going on, and I don't really understand. I don't want to say I don't understand why, but it is kind of in that way. <laughs> it is kind of in that way. So, 
carrying on with some more politics stuff. Just a just a few more of what's happened in the past uh, couple of days. So MP vote, MPs voted to take control of the parliamentary timetable, and actually more recently. Uh, there was a bill that was given to basically stop no deal and i think it passed so you know that's just a that's just a an anti no deal basically and you know just shutting down the prospect of a, of a no deal and i think it's gone down i think it's gone down there is a vote in well six minutes ago apparently according to this recording <laughs> as of this recording so we'll see how that goes and i'll give an update for for you know i'll try and give an update for all of this once it all settles down and actually you know once um uh, stuff is actually you know set in stone next week hopefully so watch out for that but yeah this um all of this all of this stuff has gone down there are there are so many there are mp stepping down from in lib dem conservative and labor uh and Labour parties, I mean, nobody wants the smell of any of this. Nobody likes the smell of any of this. This all smells like shit to them. And obviously we've seen, you know, Jacob Rees-Mogg stretching his gangly fucking body all over the all over the front bench and stuff like that. The, it, it, it's this disrespect from all of these people that I just don't understand, like, how you can, how they've gotten to this level of disrespect, not even for, to each other, but to us as well, as, you know, voters and people, I don't care for, me, for 90% of them, I just don't, they're, they're either, they're either doing nothing, I've never, I haven't heard a peep from my MP, I haven't heard a peep from him, you know, it's, it's just, it's just jarring, it's just jarring, there are so many MPs, but you can only name like the average person can name like five. I don't think that should be a thing. Not not in terms of you know uh, they should all they should all go on Instagram and you know and try and plug themselves or, or try and you know clout chase. I'm not saying that, but they should make their appearances known on a more regular basis, in my opinion. So I don't know politics in the UK is fucked basically and i've i i can't even i can't even rein it in because it's just it's just so much and so many people just pointing fingers at each other and there's also many protests that have gone on for days outside of number 10 and also parliament as well um (laughs) nobody likes anybody (laughs) when it comes to politics and you know I, I, I kind of um, felt like this when Theresa May left I had a feeling it would get worse to be honest because at least she tried to keep her party together Boris is just like nah fuck you lot I'm just I'm doing my things pretty much and there is nothing worse than a rogue pilot than a rogue prime minister <laughs> nothing worse because he's literally doing what the hell he wants well within reason and literally there are just MPs by the day turning his back on him. And, you know, in the long run, I don't know where it will be in the long run, but in the short run it's just looking like absolute chaos. And everyone looks like a everyone looks like they have dickhead written on their forest, to be honest. So have fun have fun keeping a, keeping abreast of all this, cause geez man. Just looking at just looking at the Twitter is just uh, uh just exhausting. So we shall see how it goes, and hopefully, maybe I'll give an update next week. Maybe I won't. We shall see. So I'm gonna move on to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep this one light actually. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to here. So this is the film TV segment. One of the first of uh, first of two, and. I wanted to talk about, well, Subscription Wars again, so this is basically an, uh, an update to the Subscription Wars, which I have, you know, kept abreast of in the past few weeks, so I hope I've done a good job of that, um, but, yeah, this is, this is a new, this is a new fold into the crease, no, a new crease into the napkin that is the Subscription Wars, that was very poetic, wasn't it, so, this is by Stuart Heritage of The Guardian, and title's called Make Them Wait, why the age age of binge watching may finally be over. So, this is basically about Disney um, 
planning to unveil their TV shows. You know, they have a they have a like Star Wars one coming. They have obviously many Marvel TV shows coming, uh, and they're actually going to show them on a weekly basis. You know, like like how TV was in the old days. Remember that? Remember when we watched an episode and then had to wait a week for the next one? Yeah, those good old days. Yeah, so it, Disney's going going to that uh, method of, uh, of of unveiling their 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 products. And funny enough, I actually got a, actually saw a, a tweet somewhere yesterday or two days ago that, that Netflix is actually going to be doing the same thing in response, which makes me which makes me chuckle because it's it's. I said a few, there was an article I read obviously a few, uh, like a month or so ago, where Disney basically holds all the cards and everyone responds to Disney. And even Netflix is going to refer- uh, respond to Disney in this sense. So, Disney, Disney Plus ain't even dropped yet and they've already got a stranglehold. But anyway, let's get into this article. Disney Plus doesn't launch for another two months but it's proving exhausting already. We are exhausted by the prospect of signing up to yet another subscription service. We are exhausted by the punishing promises of franchises being run even further into the dirt in the form of sequels, spin-offs and series. We're exhausted and baffled and defeated by the trailer for the world, according to Jeff Goldblum. However, as much as it resembles the smiling face of cultural monopoly, Disney Plus does have one thing going for it. According to reports from Disney's D223 conference, uh, it will release new episodes of its shows weekly. The Mandalorian will play out across eight weeks. The Loki series will run over six. In an age when consumers are used to being given everything they want at once, Disney Plus is bringing back the lost art of patience, and it can't come soon enough. The Netflix model of bulk releasing seasons was a fun novelty at first, but there are signs that people are growing tired of it, especially people who like talking about television. The amount of eggshell walking it has created, with people tiptoeing around juicy plot lines for fear of spoiling things for their busier friends, has become absurd. The recap ecosystem has suffered too. How do you cover a show that arrives in one piece? Do you burn through several episodes a day with little time for decent reflection, as the AV Club did recently with Glow? Or do you take your time and give proper attention to one episode a week, even though the show will be a distant memory for most viewers once you have crawled into the finale? It is a minefield. Uh, let's put a pin on that, because I actually have an opinion on well, the whole thing, actually, but just that in particular. Similarly, what is the maximum amount of buzz that a new Netflix show receives these days? A, th- a week? Three days? The final f- series of Orange is the New Black consistently named Netflix's best original program. Pfft, well, that's a lie. <laughs> um, uh, should have been a major publicity grabber. Instead, the whole thing dropped at once and was buried by Glow the following week, which in turn was buried by Mindhunter. We have been trained to salivate over the hot new thing at the expense of all else, even if what came before is only a matter of days old. Furthermore, the biggest success stories of recent times have been released weekly. Game of Thrones took its time, with each new episode dominating culture, the cultural conversation, for better or worse, the more, uh, more than the last. Bodyguard hinged onto spending incredible tension across several weeks in a manner that wouldn't have worked even uh, sorry wouldn't have worked if it had been dumped at once. Even something as everyday in a subject matter as Fleabag snowballed as it continued, with each, each episode drawing a more breathless reaction than the last. This is to this has to be the main reason why Disney Plus will keep things weekly. It is a clever way to <laughs> uh, sorry let me, just, let me just stop there. It is a clever way. Guys, I was joking when I was saying the good old days, alright? This is... We we still deal with weekly shows, alright? This is... Don't say a clever way. It's not clever. It's just how it should be, in my opinion, alright? Don't don't give them credit for thinking this up. <gasps> we're a streaming service, but we're going to do it weekly. <gasps> oh, whoa. Fuck off. It's a clever way. To maintain a stranglehold on culture. What a joke of a sentence. While this approach is bound to be more successful for some shows uh, than others, you can expect suffocating global hype around Marvel around the Marvel series. Whereas anyone who recaps the world according to Jeff Goldblum can expect a swift kick in the pants. Is I feel like this guy doesn't like Jeff Goldblum. Don't know why, but I have a feeling. I have a distinct feeling that he doesn't really like Jeff Goldblum all that much. Can expect a swift kick in the pants. It is a sign that Disney Plus won't rest until it has become the world's most dominant streaming platform. 
There may be another finance-driven reason for the weekly drop. Good luck watching a full two-month season of Mandalorian with your free trial, suckers. But it seems as though the key goal is becoming unavoidable. That said... This isn't a uniformly popular choice. A recent poll by IGN found that 69% of respondents prefer to consume content at all at once rather than weekly. But I am convinced it is a step in the right direction. If it works, the other platforms may start experimenting further. The streaming platform Quibi is planning to release a horror series by Steven Spielberg. Uh, Steven Spielberg? Why did I say that? Spielberg. That can only be watched when it is dark outside. Is that real? That is cr- that's funny. I love that. That's a great idea. I don't know how that's going to be a force, but that's a great idea. So who knows what is next? A show that broadcasts each episode on uh, each episode only once at a predetermined time each week. Talk about futuristic. Okay, now I know he's joking about it there, but still clever. Fuck off. Seriously, no. Let me let me just uh, read that thing about Steven Spielberg right quick. Let me get on that because that is an amazing idea. So think about that, right? Because, because clearly, you know, um, there are uh, people. People ho- do shows according to you know seasons. So you know, Love Island, for example. Obviously, they do it in the su- they they do that show in the summer because it's Love Island. It's supposed to be you know summer vibes, and because it's summer in the UK. What perfect time to host it? And you're not gonna host. You're not gonna do it in the winter when people are cold. Well, they are doing it in the winter now, aren't they? Because, because, because you lot suck. But um, yeah, that's ah, oh, that'd be great. Only to available only to watch when it's dark outside. That's smart. That is a smart idea. I love that. I really do love that. But anyway, so this whole thing. Um, I put. I I told you guys last week. Was it last week? I think it was last week that. I'm not a binge watcher. I'm really not. I'm not a. Um, I I just don't really have the capacity for it. In terms of most most of the time, there you know there's there's a couple of shows I've done that I've binged in one night. Only a couple though. Not many really. You, I can count it on one finger most likely. The Get Down. <sighs> Dear White People. Um, I I can't really think of anything else to be honest. Maybe a season of something of some things. Maybe Luke Cage. Maybe the, not even that. Luke Cage. Did I watch that? No, I watched that over two nights. So yeah, literally, maybe like two shows that I can think of that are properly binged in one night. I really do it. I really do. Maybe a whole season of Suits. Maybe. 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 Um, I'm, I'm being. I'm being very loose with that. I, I really don't think I have. Um, but yeah, it's um. Oh, and quick breaking news. As I as I am. Um, as I just record this, government loses motion to call a general election for 15th October amid mass abstentions. Abstentions? I forgot the word. Uh, I took away the notification too quickly. But anyway, continuing on. So yeah, this um to say binge watching is you know dying is mm, not the word I'd use. You know it's um, but I I just really think it's more logical. It really is more logical. I prefer it. I don't know about you guys though, because obviously I, I assume I'm assuming that most of you binge watch a lot of stuff. I see you guys binge watch a lot of stuff. You know, Top Boy is dropping in a in about ten days or some. Excuse me, in about ten days, and I guarantee, I depending on the episode count, if it's more than six, I probably won't watch it all in one night. I'm just gonna be real with you. It's just not. It's just not my style. Um, I'm used to, I'm obviously used to watching stuff over a week. I actually much prefer it over a week. And if I was hosting, if I was had a TV show, I would probably do, I'd probably go for that, uh, doing it over a week. Because if it's good enough, it can last, it, it, it will last in the cultural lexicon for the week that it's, that, that it's ho- uh, being, being shown. You know, Insecure has done it. Uh, Game of Thrones obviously has done it. Uh, in in recent in recent years, bodyguard like the like uh, uh, the article mentioned, there are shows that have done it, and I feel like the 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 best shows, the very best shows, are the ones that can do that. Obviously, there are many there are many shows like Orange New Black, um, for example, that um, suggests suggests that you know it's the best show, uh, best original series by Netflix. I mean, nah, I, I don't really think that. I'd I'm, I'd 
I, I remember the hype. I remember the hype train that came out in the first couple of seasons, but I don't see that now. I really don't see that now. That's maybe just because my echo chamber, but I don't see that now. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I just I just feel like in both ways as a as a as a fan of watching TV, and if I was if I if I had a TV show, I would do weekly. I would go for weekly both in both cases. Um, I just find. I just find planning it all in one day and everyone watches it in the space of, you know, a day or a week and then it's gone. And then, you know, people are on to the next one. It's it's really a, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's feeding, isn't it? So you feed, so imagine that you feed this person a whole show, right? And they, and they eat it all at once. Then, then what they've got? Then they have to wait like another year or however many months it takes to do a new series. And then, boom, it's done. And then it releases, boom, everyone watches it in a day. And then on to the next one. It doesn't feel... Ugh, it, it doesn't feel fulfilling to me. You know, watching a show over 10 weeks or however long the episodes are, it just feels better. It just feels better in a lot of ways. Um, actually, there are many shows that I've downloaded over, over Sky, um, Tinstar, um, I didn't watch those over a day, though, but I'm just, I'm, I'm still trying to think of shows that I've properly been watched in one day, I've, I'm trying, I'm really struggling to think of any, any others than, other than the Get Down with the Wire people, but, um, yeah, it's just, I don't really, like, like I said last week, uh, or, or, or two episodes ago, I forget which, I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not a binge watcher um, at heart, and um, the fact that Disney are doing this is not clever at all. So stop that. Stop saying it's a clever move. Uh, the, the fact that you know Netflix has done it with a few things. Um, they're patriots with Hassan Minaj. Um, you know they that's done over. That's done every Sunday. Drop episode drops every Sunday, and I'm there every Sunday to watch it. So you know they have me there. But when it comes to showing a whole season of something in in just one boom package, it just don't sit right with me. It really doesn't. It just doesn't feel natural. Uh, people people are always always about spoilers, so you can't so you don't know whether to talk about it or not, or, or to your friends or whatever. It's just a lot of tiptoeing socially, and it's just not fun. It's just not fun going. Oh, because it's happened to me. It's happened to me a lot. There are so many shows I haven't watched simply because someone just goes, "Oh, I've seen this. I saw this show. It dropped literally last night. I watched it all in. Uh, watched it all until this morning." And I'm like, uh, "If you want to talk about it, you can talk about it if you want. I don't really. I don't like holding people back from talking about what they're hyped about. You know, just because of my sake um, of of wanting to watch it. Like, if you want to tell me about it, tell me about it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, so." It's just how it is. I don't. I just don't think there's many positives to binge watching socially, uh, logically. It's just not my cup of tea, to be honest. But um, D- Disney, Disney's going the what I think is the correct way of doing things. Um, will it? Will I get? Will I get Disney Plus? Still no. <laughs> so still no for me. I'm good with Netflix. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm good with my Skybox. I'm good. I watch. I. I barely watch TV anyway. So you know, just getting Disney Plus. That's a big. Nah, that's a big nah for me. But um, I can see many, many, many of you getting Disney Plus. So I'm just. Uh, we shall. We shall see when that day comes. Of. Uh, of how much you guys have given into the Disney. The Disney monopoly. So move on to sports, and we have another article by my goat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This one, this time, is from uh, via the Guardian, and he poses a interesting topic in terms of uh, well, in terms of sports. Obviously, next summer is the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. You know your boy is hyped for that. If you know me, you know I'm about my Olympics. I'm for them to for them four weeks or well, well a month anyway. Of of celebration of sport, I just love it. I I just I just love it all, all of it. Not even just the sports I like. I watch sports that I've never that I've never rated or just cared about. You know, I'm watching I'm watching fencing. I'm watching uh, I'm I'm a watch karate. Fuck, damn right I am. I'm watching karate. I'm watching all the martial arts. 
I'm into it. I'm so, I'm big into rowing. Uh, what's that? What's that? Um, kayaking. Love that shit. Love that shit. I'm uh, rugby sevens last uh, last time was big hit for me. I love that. That was that was the only time I actually rated watching rugby. I was really enjoying that. It was very fast paced. I loved it. So with Olympics coming uh, next year, uh, Kareem Mago poses a interesting question. Uh, the title and it's the title of this article: Should athletes at the 2020 Olympics take political stances? So, with that question said, and if you want to think about your, uh, if if you want to think about your yes or no, let's get into the article. Teddy Roosevelt referred to the office of presidency as a quote bully pulpit, a perfect platform to reach opinions to sway the public. At the time, uh, at that time, bully meant wonderful, you know, bully, bully. Uh, though today's popular meaning of the word to intimidate and coerce applies even more. The president can use his office to say whatever he wants, whether truthful or not, and suddenly manipulate the opinions of millions of uncritical people. In doing so, he can encourage and even mobilize hatred and violence, discrimination, and policies directly contrary to the US Constitution. Those who disagree with the president don't have the same powerful platform. They can't gather all the world's uh, all the world's news organizations in a moment's notice to deliver another opinion that is instantly broadcast to billions. Instead, they must find their bully pulpits wherever they can, for however fleeting that moment is, and hope that their truth gets out gets out to as many people as possible, even though it can feel as ineffective as putting uh, a message in a bottle and tossing it into the ocean. Athletes have their fleeting moments to proclaim their opinions and have famously and powerfully done so in the past. In 2020, the Summer Olympics will be held in Tokyo and athletes will command the world stage. It is an opportunity to do more than promote themselves for endorsement deals, for clothing and their face on a box of Wheaties. It's a Wheezer. American cereal apparently tastes like doo-doo. Uh, it, it is a chance to let the world hear the rational voices that demand social justice, inclusion, and protection of the marginalized and productive diplomacy. In 1968, I boycotted playing on the men's Olympic basketball team as a protest to the overt racism and police aggression that was resulting in deadly riots across the country. Instead, I worked with underprivileged youth in New York City, teaching them basketball and trying to keep them safe. It felt wrong to be a smiling thumbs-up representative of politicians who refused to acknowledge the race problems so they didn't have to do anything about it. That's what those love-it-or-leave-it patriots, quote-unquote, furious about athletes who protest don't understand. We aren't insulting the country or what its professed values uh, were focusing attention on those who don't live up to the promises of what the country stands for. Those protesting priests who molest aren't condemning Catholicism. They're condemning those who don't abide by their vows or teachings. The whistleblower who reveals drug companies conspired to deliberately harm consumers in order to uh, reap greater profits is not promoting the elimination of medicine, just that the companies act uh, according to the law and ethical standards. That is a great... Just that paragraph right there, that is an amazing breakdown of just how to see athletes protesting. That is boss. What boss What boss writing that was. Oh my god, that was great. Continuing on. To many, the constitution is like wedding vows, in which the country promises to love and cherish and to be faithful to all its people, only to find out it's been cheating on us with the, only the white, straight, male and wealthy. Oh, what a paragraph of writing. That is glorious. Round of applause, Kareem. Anyway, I'm such a, I'm such a kiss-ass. <laughs> I took my inspiration from Louis Armstrong, who in 1957 cancelled a government-sponsored goodwill tour of the Soviet Union because President Eisenhower refused to send in troops to protect the black students in Little Rock, Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas who were integrating Central High School, despite the state's governor using the National Guard to block the students from entering the school. Armstrong called Eisenhower two-faced and gutless, adding, quote, It's getting almost so bad... A coloured man hasn't got any country. Several weeks later, in part thanks to Armstrong's bully pulpit, uh, President Eisenhower nationalised the Arkansas National Guard and ordered them to protect the black students while facilitating their integration. A jazz musician had spoken out, and because of that, America was a little more American. Free speech is not free when it comes to the Olympics, because it is first first and foremost a business. 
As with professional sports, anything that threatens the money must be eliminated. So the very freedoms that we hope to brag about to the rest of the world during the games, we willingly give up in order to compete. The International Olympic Committee, IOC, has rules not to uh, rules not allowing political demonstrations, and they have announced their intentions of rigorous, rigorously enforcing these rules in Tokyo in 2020. This renewed vigor in curbing the athletes' free speech is the result of two brave athletes in the recent Pan Am Games. Race Imboden, uh, my butchered that name, uh, took a knee after his foil team won the gold medal for the U.S. and after her win, hammer thrower. Gwen Berry raised a fist and bowed her head a la Tommy Smith and John Carlos who did that in the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City. What were they trying to say? Imboden explained, At the podium, my palms wet from nerves. When the Star Bangle banner began to play, I took a knee, following the footsteps of Colin Kaepernick, Megan Rapinoe, Muhammad Ali, John Carlos and Tommy Smith. Black, LGBT, female and Muslim athletes who chose to take a stand. I'm not a household name like those heroes, but as an athlete representing my country and, yes, a privileged white man, I believe it is time to speak up for American values that my country seems to be losing sight of. Berry said, quote, A lot of things need to be done and said and changed. I'm not trying to start a political war or act like I'm Miss Know-it-all or anything like that. I just know America can do better. America can do better. These two, the two athletes were given 12 months probation for expressing that sentiment uh, with the IOC, promising even harm a, uh, a harsher punishment. Sorry, They are admirable for their athletic achievements that day, but they are, her- they are heroic for taking a stand when they knew it would cost them. That's what every athlete thinking of making a political statement during the Olympics must consider. Am I con- committed enough to, outra- to my outrage to risk my career? If not, just accept your medals, thank your family and celebrate. But if you need to use your moment of glory to encourage Americans to honor their commitments, then bully for you. Time and place are for those who already live in a time and place of privilege. So that's all of Kareem's uh, writing right there. Amazing paragraph just by just explaining, um, uh, you know, what's the word? Protesting um, in sports. Amazing comparison, just breaking that down. That was freaking amazing paragraph um this it's really rare that i just read a paragraph of ryan where i'm just like damn that was that was fire uh so you know i just i just wanted to hail that but yeah uh, this is this is interesting because you know we don't think about it from a negative perspective well we do but not in the way i'm trying to think about it so think about this right so let's say that anyone could do the political protesting, when they win their medal, and they do whatever. Imagine if it was something that we just don't, you know, morally rate anymore. What if someone just did a Nazi salute on that stage? Like, you can't, that's, that's, a, that's you know, free speech in a way, you know? It's just, that's just something that is in the, that I have in the back of my head every time I talk, uh, I think about this uh, conversation when it comes to sports, like, um, it, it it really is it really is i think something worth thinking about where you know there was a there was a i think it was 2012 olympics where there was a russian pole vaulter and she won a medal i don't know if it was gold and there were you know reports going around later on that she basically had homophobic views and you know that's part of the course for Russian people, um, but for us, thinking about it, it's just like, eh, that just, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Now, imagine if she, I don't know, said something on stage, or, you know, after, after winning her medal, that she said something like, you know, just, I don't know, kill all homosexuals, whatever, like, is that, is that on the same boat? You know, I'm, I'm not a professor on free speech, so I'm not really... I don't feel educated to answer that, but it's just something I feel like is worth thinking about. Now, when we're talking about, you know, positive things like, you know, raising a fist and talking about police brutality and whatever you think is um, important to you, to you, then it is, it is always a, it's a, guess, it's, it's a real uh, rock and a hard place. Do you believe in your beliefs enough to make that statement? You know, Tommy Smith and John Carlos didn't get 
you know, they weren't celebrated in the best of ways after they did that. They really weren't. Muhammad Ali, in the in the in the absolutely fascinating ways that we profess our love for Muhammad Ali in the many ways that we can, not just being a boxer for not just being a boxer, but for also being a, a amazing proponent for the civil rights in America. For all of that, the amount of people that were chastising him, Kareem, uh, Bill Russell, Jim Brown. In the, back in those days, the amount of vitriol they got for doing what they did it was astounding, and and fun, and it's, it's just funny when it's, you know people celebrate people in America, especially you know white people in America, celebrate Martin Luther King or Muhammad Ali when it's his birthday or the anniversary of his death or whatever. Um, when they when they talk about not the well, in Muhammad Ali's case, not the sporting uh, prowess that he had, but talking about his civil rights, you know, uh, 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 civil rights, um, what's the word? Activism. There you go, that's the word. Um, <laughs> they, 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 they say it's like, you know, so great now, but just look how it was back then. And funny enough, right, there's actually, uh, talking about Tommy uh, uh, Smith and Carlos, the the Australian dude who was third place in that particular event, the he got he got even well not even worse but he got terrible abuse from Australians when he got back because he was fine with it and he got killed he got he got outcasted. I really want to get his name up so let me let me look up his name right quick. Um, uh, uh, Peter Norman, Peter Norman, right? Look up. There's, there's plenty of there's plenty of coverage on it. I think uh, it's either CNN or ESPN did a did a story on him uh, in uh, a, few, a few years ago. Look at look him up and look up the treatment he got for just for just supporting what Smith and Carlos did, right? Just just saying he supported it, right? Look at the vitriol he got, and he was a white Australian dude, and he got second place by the way, not third. It's amazing. So in in saying all this. Um, I'm just trying to paint the picture that it really takes a fuckload of courage to do that kind of thing. A really, a really big amount, especially for someone in something like athletics. If actually, if it's not even a sport like football, uh, cricket, maybe, uh, you know, NBA, NFL, you know, sports where you can you, you can li- you can survive with the money right you can you can get the money and thrive right for things like athletics where there's not much money in it to do something like that and to risk getting banned or just cut off in any way severe blows to not just their career but literally their livelihood you know there are there are athletes that I follow on social media, and most of them have university degrees, like proper university degrees, academic <laughs> degrees, you know, masters and whatever. Just in case, because you know, sports doesn't sports careers don't last all that often. There's there's obviously special ones that where they can have a you know broadcasting career on the uh, after their after their actual career in sport, but most of them just either, you know, go into coaching or just do something else. And to do, and to, so to be able to make that decision is an amazing decision. So if anybody does that and supporting something that I, I believe is worth, you know, protesting about, be sure to commend, commend them in every possible way. Because they're literally risking their careers for it. It may be less. It may be a little less so compared to people like Carlos and Smith. You know, did that in the sixties, where America was obviously very different. But just look at Colin Kaepernick now. Bro's been blackballed by the NFL. So you know, there's obviously there's obviously extremes it can go to, but just to do it. And not thinking about the repercussions is something I completely commend.
before we move on to the last topic of today, which is film and TV, and I wanted to keep it fun, because I, 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 I passionately hate this, I passionately hate this show, I really do, so, <coughs> excuse me, um, so there was an article I found on BuzzFeed News, um, by uh, Scotchy Cool, um, I hope, hope, hope I spell, uh, said, that, said that correctly. And she just she just ripped into this show in the in a, in a beautiful way, and I wanted to read it to you guys because I don't understand how you guys love Friends so much. I really don't understand it. Now this obviously harks back to the conversation last week or two weeks ago, where we talked about you know comfort TV, and I get it. You guys used to watch Friends back in the day, and watching it now, binge watching it now, makes you feel nostalgic, makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, and you know, like, life ain't so bad. But let's get into this, let's get into this, because this is a glorious piece of writing. So big, uh, big up Miss Cool here, and we'll get into it. I'm starting to realise that in internet years, I'm very old. But instead of feeling irrelevant because of my ignorance of current memes, or the fact that increasingly all my tweets are about how much I hate air travel, I feel compelled to share my hard-earned wisdom. The further away I get from my youth, the more I want to warn the younger generation, those Gen Zers, in their pucker shell necklaces, is it pucker or puka, uh, shell necklaces and scrunchies and vans, that what they love is actually unmitigated garbage. I never knew I'd be repeating the, sa- the sentences my Gen X brother used to say to me, quote, when you're older, you'll understand that I'm right. And yet here I am, telling my niece that no, I will not be watching Friends with her. Friends, my darling, is terrible. This September will mark the 25th anniversary of the premiere of Friends. And like most significant pop culture anniversaries, it set off an outpouring of collective nostalgia. Pop-up events, public screenings, and merchandise are all materialising for die-hard fans because everyone could use a bracelet with a cat call written on it. People are debating whether Friends or Seinfeld is better. Brackets, not to spoil my own article, but it's Seinfeld, and it should be this, and it should be, and this should be obvious. It is Seinfeld. If you, for those that don't, that don't, have, that don't say, they say Friends over Seinfeld. Ninety percent of the time, they haven't watched Seinfeld. I guarantee you. Trust me. I guarantee you. The people that say Friends over Seinfeld haven't even watched Seinfeld. But anyway, marine biologists who probably spent years in school and hundreds of thousands of dollars on their education are out here informing us that actually lobsters don't make for life. Contrary to what Phoebe, a fictional character in a bad television show whose entire personality trait is being flighty, said at some point in the late 90s, we also uh, we have also recently learned that the monkey actor who played Ross's pet an actual plotline from a show about people living in New York, where half the landlords won't even let you have a well-behaved dog, is still working, which is, I guess, good for the monkey. The content never ends, and yet, somehow, people never seem to lose their appetite for more. It was recently reported that Robert De Niro is suing a former employee for, in part, watching 55 episodes of Friends in four days. I don't want to be, I don't want to be dramatic, but if I read one more headline that says, Could we be any more excited? About some friends related news, I will throw myself into the nearest active volcano. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the sarcastic uh, seriousness. Oh, so glorious. No one, least all least of all me, should be judgmental about other people's tastes in television programming. Uh, just a side note, I do, because I actually watch good TV. I don't waste my time with garbage. Anyway, continuing on. Currently, my favourite YouTube, uh, my favourite show is YouTube clips of a British series called Just Tattoo of Us, where friends or partners design deeply humiliating t- t- tattoos that will be permanently applied to each other's bodies without their prior approval over design or placement. Me and my tastes are trash, and I deserve nothing other than a painful death. Jesus. But as someone who lived through the first round of Friends' cultural reign, who was conscious for at least half of it, and who participated in it in real time, I would be be remiss if I didn't remind you all of the truth. Friends, a show about white people being thin and having the pointiest nipples in the continental Americas, and a show that I at one time watched and enjoyed, is absolute garbage. Friends premiered in 1994 when I was three years old. The finale was a decade later. My most formative years were spent watching Friends. My classmates and I acted out scenes at school. I wanted to be a Rachel, but I'd settle for a moniker, though I'd tell other people I was a Phoebe, when in reality I was a Ross. 
My brother, who was ahead of the curve in knowing this show was unwatchable, used to fight with me when I insisted on watching reruns I had just seen the week before. I hope he never reads this, I will never live it down. In 2004, when my parents banned me from watching television, after I was smart enough to prank call a teacher but, uh, but dumb enough to leave my phone number on his voicemail, I wrote a letter begging them to let me watch the finale. Rachel got off the plane! I was glad, but I was, I was also a virgin and didn't understand that surely Rachel could find some other dick somewhere in Paris. <laughs> oh god, don't make me cough. Oh boy, carrying on. There's been some ongoing online discussion about the strange dissonance between Friends nostalgia and the reality of the show's poor quality. But still, overwhelmingly, audiences seem fine pretending that Friends was any good at all. Likely contributing to this wrong conclusion is how easy it is to uh, to access the show's back catalogue, which is readily available to stream and which the teens love binging en masse. It, seem, it just seems odd that a show that the most marketable generation is, for some reason, watching is uh, also the least relevant show still on the market. Here's where I freely admit that BuzzFeed has provided a non-stop stream of Friends content to impressionable youths, which might have something to do with it. That was in brackets. Uh, plenty of shows age badly, but are still handy for a re-watch now and then. But unlike other shows of its ilk that inspire nostalgic streaming marathons such as Seinfeld, The Office, Dirty Rock, Passing Wreck, or Cheers, Friends doesn't have the benefit of actually being good. Steve Carell is right. The Office should never be rebooted because it is a program about an abusive boss who harasses his employees, all of whom develop a kind of Stockholm Syndrome so they continue working at a paper company. Do teens remember paper? Brackets. But it is still pretty funny and full of pathos and redemption. Frasier is still an enjoyable watch, as I told you guys uh, last, I think it was last week, that I, I watched Frasier uh, a, few, a few months ago. Uh, over, over a few months, not binged it, Jesus. Um, you know, I'm not that bad. Uh, Fraser's still enjoyable show about the only two men alive still drinking sherry. All in the Family showed us how uh, showed us how someone you can love also be a racist asshole. Uh, and Seinfeld forever changed what a half-hour comedy would be. Even now, I would rather watch the same episode of Will and Grace where Grace's mum shows up than even attempt to give Chernobyl a chance. Binging shows that are comfortable and familiar is soothing, like calling your own mum when you're upset, or smoking a close cigarette in the parking lot of your high school, which of course I never did, and if my older brother is reading this, don't tell my mum, you fucking cop. <laughs> what a line. Uh, but loving friends in 2019 requires a level of mental gymnastics that should force the show to remain a forgotten blip in the past. List any of your favourite episodes, and there's likely something grotesque buried in the plot. Chandler's uh, father is inexplicably and unnecessarily a drag queen, played by the cis actor Kathleen Turner, and is the source of many, an, many an anti-trans punchline. As a teenager, Monica was fat, and that's it. That's the joke. Here, watch her dance in a fat suit. Ross's ex-wife is a lesbian, and isn't it funny that his son has two mummies? Uh, save for a few token characters of colour that popped up every now and then, the show was so white that Phoebe, as the only blonde, could be considered a minority. <laughs> oh god, this is glorious. Multiple Friends guest stars have, two and a half decades later, reported less than stellar experiences being on set. And then, of course, there's the infamous 2004 lawsuit that Amani Lyle, an assistant in the writer's room, filed against the show for being forced to listen to the writer's joke about Jerry raping Rachel and watch them pantomime masturbating and mock ghetto black talk. Uh, the judge ruled out that the writer's behaviour was necessary for a creative environment, laying the problematic groundwork for a, quote, creative necessity defence to be deployed elsewhere. Wow, what a case. God, I need to get back into that. What an amazing case that sounds. Fuck me. Anyway, beyond making it harder to sue for workplace harassment, what lasting cultural relevance has Friends given us, exactly? A haircut? Justin Theroux? Matthew Perry looking stressed out on the Graham Norton show when <laughs> septuagenarian actor Miriam Margoyles talks about starting to cream in her knickers. Eh! Ah, really? Jesus. That's disgusting. At least we have hot Jughead now. Uh, can't wait for 2020 babies of the future to try and argue that Riverdale is actually a masterpiece. It isn't, ladies and gentlemen. My mum my watched a bit of it, and every time I saw two seconds of it, I wanted to hurl. Anyway. But of course, none of this matters. 
By the rules of the internet, I am an old woman, a millennial aging out of importance. It is the Visco girls. What the fuck is Visco, by the way? Does that, does that make me old? The fact that I don't know what Visco is? Anyway, continue on. And TikTok stars who will inherit the earth. It's follies, it's failures, it's successes. And they will too one day grow up and realise the truth about friends. That it was just a show about beautiful twigs. <laughs> twigs wearing sweater t-shirts <laughs> with the beam of networks marketing machine behind it. This will be their right of passage. And the good news is they will likely come to terms with the disappointment of returning to something they loved. The show they enjoyed at 14, though it ended before they were born, is indeed not so good. Vindication for me will have to wait. Could I be any more excited for the moment when it finally comes? So, shout out to Scotchy Cool. What a fucking amazing piece of article. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> Other than, ladies and gentlemen, this has been what's good. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode. <laughs> oh god, seriously, Friends is so shit. It's actually is actually amazing. <laughs> it's actually laughable how much you guys love Friends. I feel bad for you guys. I really do. I have seen the light, and yes, I'm gonna feel elitist about this because Friends is objectively a piece of shit. Anyway, <laughs> from the Fair Fellow Podcast Network, I have a Charlie Taylor. This has been what's good. <laughs> we shall see. I shall see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Try and have a good week, and I shall try and do the same. And until the next time, take it easy. Don't watch Friends, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>